the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And in our passage, we're going to see an expert of the law, expert of the law of God, ask Jesus a question. And what unfolds is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. I mean, it is, I mean, really, even if you've never really gone to church or been exposed to the Bible, there are people who have probably never opened the Bible. But if you make a reference to the Good Samaritan, they will know what you're talking about. They will understand it. Um, they will be familiar and understand in at least some way the Good Samaritan is a story about service. Um, and so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, and so we're going to start in verse 25. And we're going to read to verse 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. This is Jesus talking. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, right, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, this is the lawyer speaking, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Uh, It is good, and you give it to us because you love us. And so we ask you now to, um, by your spirit, working in and through and with the word, teach us, equip us, change us, encourage us, give us hope. Would we see Jesus? And would we be nourished by his gospel. Pray in his name. Amen. Okay, so here's, here's a question for you to think about. If you are on your way to do something important, okay, think of something really important. 
Would you stop to help someone in trouble? Um, Well, two psychologists from a number of years ago from Princeton University tried to answer this very question. They were just curious. Um, And so they did this experiment, and they did this experiment with seminary students. Now, seminary students are like graduate students, except they're, they're training for professional gospel ministry. Okay? And so they took some seminary students, uh, and they were unexpectedly asked on short notice, some of them, um, to give a talk, to give a lecture, to give a devotional kind of thing to a group of their professors. Okay? So these are seminary students, and they're doing this, they're giving this presentation to their professors at Princeton Seminary, uh, which is where Josh went to seminary, by the way. Um, and so these professors uh, are sitting there, and, and these students were asked to speak. This is amazing. They were asked to speak on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And now, and some, not all of them, because they wanted to mix it up a little bit. And so some were giving something not the parable of the Good of the Samaritan, but something real similar about love and service. Okay? They were all given times. They were all told to meet in the exact same space on campus, the exact same meeting room. Uh, And so every one of these seminary students, on their way to this room to give their devotion, talk, sermon, whatever you want to call it, um, to this group of professors, would encounter a man in trouble. Okay, he was an actor. Okay, part of the experiment. In trouble, moaning for help. As this, right next to the door where they're walking in to do this devotion. Um, now, what do you think they did? Imagine 19, 20, 25-year-old. He's really, really paranoid. He's feeling some pressure. Some of them were, no, I mean, they had short notice. And they're going to give a lecture, talk, whatever, on the Good Samaritan. And here's a man moaning for help next to the door on their way in to do, to do it. What did they do? This is a million-dollar question. Did they stop? Did they help this man moaning for help? What did they do? And we would hope that they stopped. I mean, that's what we would hope we would do. Uh, but unfortunately, they didn't. Um, some of them did. Okay, so I don't want to throw every one of them under the bus. Um, some of them didn't. Um, Most likely the ones who were in a hurry, uh, the ones feeling the pressure, the ones a little stressed, were the ones that were likely to pass by the man. Um, And, you know, we don't know these guys. Um, I might have done the exact same thing. I've done the exact same thing probably many times and and completely unaware of it. Uh, We don't know what they were thinking. But what we do know... And what they would probably own, and did own, once they realized they were part of an experiment, uh, is that they really missed it. They really missed something. They, they missed an opportunity to love, to love a neighbor, um, to love God. And so, how many times have you and I done this? Let's just be honest. I mean, this is not to shame you, it's just a good reflective question. How many times have we been too busy, too distracted... How many times do we kind of choose who we love and who we don't love? I'm really guilty of that. Um, Or when we love and when we don't love. 
uh, do we misunderstand the meaning of love altogether? Um, and so what, however we answer those questions, the reality is, and I think what we would all agree on, is that loving other people, loving neighbors, loving those around us is difficult. Like, it's really difficult. It's really difficult to love well. Like, it's even really difficult to love our own family, like love our own kids. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Let me tell you, it's challenging to love my kids all the time. Um, and so, we, it, is, it is hard to love well. And so that's what we're going to think about. Because the Good Samaritan, a lot of times we associate it with service, but it's really about love. Uh, it's about love for God, love for neighbor. Uh, and so we're going to take a look at this passage and see what God has to say. And there's two things I want us to think about. Um, one is what does the lawyer's questions reveal? You remember the lawyer asked Jesus, I mean, he started asking Jesus these questions. And so what does the lawyer's questions reveal? Two things. One, um, our knowledge is insufficient. Now, let's think about that. A lawyer, which would have been an expert in the law of God, not like the lawyers we think of today. You know, um, This would have been an expert in the law of God, an expert in the Old Testament. Um, stood up to test Jesus. Really, what he's doing is he's examining Jesus, which never worked out for people. Uh, but they did it. And so, look at verse 25. It's, and behold, the lawyer stood up to put him to the test. Saying, teacher, gave him a little bit of respect. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds with a question. It's great. Uh, Well, what is in the law? To which the lawyer responds, you saw it, we read it. You must love God and your neighbor. And this was the correct response. He was right on. The lawyer got the question right. Um, and Jesus is like, well, well, fine. Great answer. Follow your own advice. No big deal. Uh, just live up to these standards and you will inherit eternal life. No big deal. We're just talking about total devotion, right? This lawyer. Total devotion of his entire being. Consistent, consistently practicing perfect love for God and others, and others is everyone, right? That's no big deal. We got that, right? Um, But something's not quite right, and you know it when you read this parable, Um, which leads us to the next point. You see it in his follow-up question in verse 29. He answered the question. Jesus is like, fine, follow your own advice. And then he goes, ah, but he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Uh, You know, and so it's it's almost like the lawyer is going, okay, love God. I got that. I know that. I got it. Now let's create a group of non-neighbors. Like, who do I, I mean, who do I not have to love? Right? And he's talking to Jesus. He's talking to God. It's It's amazing. Um, And Luke helps us understand what's going through his mind when you see that phrase, desiring to justify himself. You know, and we all know this phrase, justification, justified. 
You see it all throughout the scriptures. To be justified is to be saved. You know, to be saved is to inherit eternal life. Uh, And so by asking who is my neighbor, he's asking Jesus for a qualifier. And he's asking for some sort of checklist. Like, you know, and we love checklists. Um, The lawyer is clearly looking for acceptance before God through his own performance and ability. That's exactly what he's doing. Um, And the lawyer's questions reveal a couple things. And we've kind of... One is that our knowledge is insufficient. Like, this guy knew everything, but he's obviously missing something. Um, And that our ability is insufficient to inherit eternal life. And this is important because we have the tendency, and maybe you don't, I definitely do, have the tendency to approach Jesus the same way this lawyer did. Um, You know, it's so easy for us to think... If we know all the right things, have all the correct answers, then, then we're good. We'll be right with God. We'll inherit eternal life. God will accept us. You know? But knowledge of what to do to inherit eternal life isn't enough. And we pick up on that with this lawyer. I mean, you could know all the right answers just like he did, but still not understand their meaning. You know, like, I mean, you could give an amazing definition for love, but never love anyone. Um, And we also try to justify ourselves like this lawyer. You know, we do this uh, through our performance and our abilities. Um, You know, we prefer manageable checklists, you know, uh, rules, plans. We prefer anything that we can, like, measure and achieve, especially spiritually. Uh, anything I can measure and achieve. You know, like this week I did five quiet times, feeling really good, feeling real spiritual. And there's nothing wrong with doing five quiet times. Do 25. Um, but we, we love these kind of rules and lists and things we can manage. And a lot of times we, we, we love those and we rest and trust in those more than we do Jesus. Um, anything. We'll take anything a lot of times other than Trusting in Jesus' finished work. Ah, man, Jesus, I know you did a lot. I'm going to do some more. You know? I'm going to do more. Um, We try to be self-saviors in all kinds of ways. Maybe not just like this lawyer, but we have the tendency of the lawyer uh, to be self-saviors like this lawyer. I mean, you see this all the time. Just the other day, I read a a quote by Madonna, of all people. I don't know, she's like, I don't know, 68 now and doing lots of yoga. But she... She said this, she's a pop icon, and, you know, really big deal. Um, she said this, my drive in life comes from the fear of being mediocre. I can relate to that. Um, even though I have become somebody, I mean, she just performed at the Super Bowl a few years ago, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. I'm, we're always, it's, it's so easy, trying to justify our worth and our value. Um, but Jesus is about to show us and to show this lawyer, well, okay, you obviously missed the understanding of love and, and you really fall far short of it. Um, these demands to love God and neighbor are extreme. Like they're, I mean, really, really impossible. And so... 
It leads us to the next main point. What does Jesus' story reveal? Because the way he teaches this lawyer and reveals kind of how he misunderstands love is through this story. Uh, the story of the good Samaritan. And so the, the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? He's, he's essentially asking, who do I have to love? And everyone, there would have been tons of people around Jesus at this moment. Everyone at this second was on the edge of their seat. I'm talking major cliffhanger for a second. What is Jesus going to say? I mean, how would Jesus respond? How would he define neighbor? Because it was a very popular topic at this point in time, at this point in history, especially in the Jewish culture. Who is your neighbor? And so here's Jesus. He's about to respond. And the lawyer expected something he could manage. The lawyer, uh, he could have hardly imagined Jesus saying anyone beyond his family. Maybe a stranger in my little community. But what Jesus does is he responds with an extremely shocking story about a Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews despised each other. You all, you know this. Like, they were not friends. They didn't play together, okay? Um, Samaritans were the bad guys. They were traitors. They were half-breeds. They had uh, intermarried with an invading army a couple hundred years before this, and it was bad. They, they accepted some of their religious practices and just really messed up all kinds of stuff. And so the Jews did not appreciate them. And, and that's the Jews is exactly who Jesus is talking to when he tells this story and makes a Samaritan the hero. Whoa. He makes the Samaritan hero. He uses a Samaritan to teach a Jew, an enemy, about love. Unbelievable. Um, and the kind of love that we're going to see here in this story has three aspects. We're going to cover them real quick. And I got this kind of idea from a, a pastor in Virginia. Three aspects. Love involves one, and it involves going. Because that's what the story is going to teach us about is love. Love involves going. And so in the story, people are traveling down the Jericho Road, a, a real famous 18-mile stretch between Jerusalem and Jericho. You can go to this road today. You know, it's, it's not like a myth or fantasy land. I mean, it's a real place. You can go check it out. It's still visible. And back then, it was a really dangerous road. Like, it's not the kind of place you can go take a stroll. Uh, robbers and bandits, I mean, they, they easily could hide in the caves and the rocky terrain, and they would take you out and your stuff. Okay? They would get you. Um, and so, in this story, a man going down the road fell among these robbers. And you see it in verse 30. And all the characters in the story were going down the same road. But only the Samaritan stopped. And you see it. Look at verse 34. He went to him. In order to love this man, the Samaritan had to actually go. For him to love him, it involved going. He had to go to this man. And, and here's the reality. You and I are going somewhere. You and I are going to go somewhere today. We're going to go somewhere every day this week. We're always going. Um, we pass by hundreds of people every day, probably. Um, you know, and so when is the, 
When is the last time we just like intentionally just engaged someone else out of just interest and love for them? Um, there was nothing to gain. You know, it's just a, it's another human being and I'm interested in them. I'm curious. Um, loving others involves going. Um, you know, it could be as simple as greeting a stranger. It could be something as really um, big as going overseas. Um, it, involve, it could be sometimes you're just walking down the street. Uh, it could be when you're going to the grocery store. There's always opportunities to love because we're always going. And so we have a privilege that when we go, we can go in love, right? Um, and so love involves going. To think about it another way, um, as you guys go from here today, as you go to work this week, uh, a lot of times we make it really complicated. It's, you, you have the opportunity to just to go and love. Um, the other aspect, though, love involves going. It also involves seeing. Like We have to see. We have to be aware. Um, look, look at verse 33. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he, when he saw him, he had compassion. To, to love, we have to see. I mean, we see all sorts of things. We see all sorts of things, and, and a lot of times we ignore them, you know, or we're indifferent. But the Samaritan saw and had compassion. Another way to think about compassion is he was like, he was compelled to action. Like when he saw this guy. Um, and as you and I move around our neighborhoods, our communities, our places of employment, etc., etc., um, you know, we, we see all sorts of things. Uh, we, we see brokenness, we see lonely people, we see messy relationships. Uh, and we can do all sorts of things. We can see them and we can avoid them. We, we can not care, we can be indifferent. We, and we can have really good excuses. You know, like, I, I, can, I am great at coming up with excuses. Um, I am really amazing. It's like a gift or something. Um, and we, we can do all kinds of things. They're a different race. They speak another language. They're poor. They're extremely wealthy. They're young. They're extremely old. I mean, we can, we can just go on and on and on. I, and we just, we, we don't engage. We don't, in, like, talk to them. We don't see them. We don't see them. Um, but love sees those exact same things and has compassion. The Samaritan didn't see an inconvenience. He didn't see an enemy, right? Which this guy was, for sure. He saw another human being and moved towards him in love. And so how do we... It's just a good reflective question. How do we see people? Uh, how do you and I see people? Are they in the way? Are they a means to an end? Are they just another person? Um, you know, wh- wh- how do we see people around us? Um, in Waynesville, in western North Carolina. The last aspect, though, that we see in this parable of the Good Samaritan is love involves going, seeing, and giving. Love involves giving. To love, to love well, it's going to cost. It is going to cost us. Um, Look at verse 34 and 35. All the things this guy gave. 
Um, it was dangerous for the Samaritan to stop and help. A lot of times when I, when I say giving, I don't want you to think immediately about money. Okay, because that's not the only thing this Samaritan gave, and we're going to think about that. Um, it was dangerous for him to stop and help. I mean, when the Samaritan stopped, he could have suffered the exact same thing that this Jewish guy did. He could have been murdered. I mean, he could have been killed. And he knew that. The Samaritan knew that because the Jericho Road had a reputation. Um, and so it could have cost him his own life. He gave up his time. This guy probably was on his way to see a family, see friends, to do business. I mean, he was going somewhere to do something. Um, but he gave up his time. And then he actually gave up money. He spent probably about 150 bucks, a couple days' wages, one day's wage, something like that, uh, to care for him. And then told the innkeeper what? Hey, when I come back, I'll pay whatever else this guy owes you. That's amazing. Um, whatever he needed, he was going to pay for it. And so the Samaritan, out of love, was giving. Giving time, money, well-being, safety to a man that would have called him a dog. That's exactly how the Jews spoke of Samaritans. They were dogs. They wouldn't even eat out of the same bowl. Like if, if, if a Jewish guy had a bowl and found out the Samaritan had touched it with his lips, he would have smashed it on the ground because they are unworthy, filthy, unclean. And, so, and the Samaritan knew that. But yet, he gives up so much for this man because he loved him out of love. Um, and so to love each other, to, to love our communities, to love our neighborhoods, to love Waynesville and the world that they were talking about earlier, um, it, it's, we're going to have to give at some point. It's, you, you will give. It may be that you give up your time to make a new friend. And giving up time is really, I mean, honestly, sometimes it's a lot harder than giving up money. It is. Let's just be honest. Like at night, when I finally get the kids in the bed... I, it's my time. And so don't come, you know, like, need, like, I don't want you to need me. Like, my wife and I just want to, like, veg out. We need a moment here. And so those two hours before I go to bed are like, that's like restoration. It's really, really amazing time just to, just to have a minute to think and to rest. And, and so time can be really hard, but money um, can also be it. You may also have to give up your comfort. Sometimes when we read this story, we don't think about that. You may have to give up your comfort. Um, this guy was a, he stopped at a crime scene. We, we, we like to keep our distance from crime scenes. Um, he stopped at a crime scene, and, and then he, what? He's sitting there helping a naked man. How uncomfortable is that? A one man helping another naked man on the Jericho Road at a crime scene. There's blood. It is uncomfortable. Okay? And, and, but you know what? The Samaritan gave up his comfort to help this man, to love this man. Um, and so you may have to do stuff. You may have to do this kind of stuff when you know you're not going to get anything back, which is exactly where this guy was. But that, that's what love is, and that's what Jesus is wanting us to understand. It, that love is giving for free. And that's hard for me. That's hard for us, I think, as, as just broken 
people. Loving for free. And so this story and this interaction between Jesus and this lawyer is really profound. In a masterful way, Jesus shows us that love, when we truly understand it, is unqualified. That it is limitless. That you will go, you will see, you will give out of love, and you will do it for enemies. People who hate you. Whoa. And so, it shows us that, you know, that the problem here isn't the law, you know, that, that Jesus and this lawyer is talking about. The problem is, you know, we cannot keep it. And we misunderstand it. You know, on our best day, we fail to live and to love the, the way Jesus is calling us to. Right here. Um, which is the standard to have eternal life. And, you know, it's, it's easy to get to the end of this passage. I don't know about you. But it's easy to get to this passage and two things happen. One, you get to the end of this, the parable that gets Samaritan and you, you, feel, you feel hopeless. Uh, some of y'all may be feeling that way right now. But you, you feel hopeless because you know you, you fail to love that way. You know, we, like, you fail to love really well. And so you feel hopeless. That's the way I felt sometimes reading this passage. I'm just, I can't do it. I just can't. I have failed miserably at loving people. Um, I can barely love my kids sometimes. And so that's one thing. Or you do this. You, you get into this thing and you're going to try hard. Like you, you're really motivated. Like you're, you're, you're kind of like, like you're pumped. Like you can go run a marathon. Like you're going to go and you're going to try harder. You're going to love more. You're going to love more. Um, but you, you, you've done that before. And so have I. And, and you know what? We get exhausted and eventually we get fatigued and eventually we fail. And we're back to the hopelessness. Okay? So those are the kind of the two ways we typically feel when we get to the end of this thing. But Jesus is, he, he's actually given us another alternative here. Is, is he's wanting us to see him. Like, he's wanting us to get to that place where we realize, well, I have failed. But Jesus has succeeded for you. I, I haven't loved everyone well, but, but I have been loved really well. And, and it's when we start to get that into our bones right, that truth, is when we begin to actually be empowered and equipped to, to go out and love the way Jesus has called us to. But even in the midst of our failure, Jesus is, I have met that standard of love for you because you couldn't. I came in your place and I have loved in your place so that you can be loved and so that you can go and love others. Uh, and so I don't want you to feel hopeless and I don't want you to try harder. I want you to see Jesus, the one who met the standard for you. And what's amazing is I want you to see Jesus as the true neighbor. The true neighbor, the true neighbor, think about it, the, the one, the only one to have ever met God's standard. I mean, think about going, seeing, giving. Jesus went. Jesus came from heaven. 
out of love. He gave up everything out of love for you and me, right? So, so he went, and he saw. He saw us in our need. He saw us in all our shame. He saw us in all our brokenness. He sees everything that no one else can see. And, and he still came, and he still loved you, even though he could see everything about you. He loved you anyway, right? And then he gave. He didn't just give up his time. He gave up time, comfort. He gave up his life out of love for you. And so that's what, that's what he wants us to see. That's what I want you to see, is to see your Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you came and that you lived and loved in our place. And I pray that we would worship you, that we would rest in you, that we would see you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.